Amen. All right. So we're going to start a new series today, which is pretty exciting. And we're going to call it United We Stand. United We Stand. And we're talking about the unity of the believers. The unity of the believers. Do you know that it's important for the followers of Christ to be together? To be unified? Like I mentioned earlier, it was so great to go to Albania and preach and have people shout amen while I'm preaching through a translator. And it was just really cool. Like these people are on the same page as us in Cloquet. We, you know, 30 hours travel and they get Jesus. They understand God in this little church in Fear, Albania. We have brothers and sisters all over the world and we need to stand together. That's what we're going to be talking about. How do you think we're doing as a Christian movement as far as this unity thing is concerned? How are we doing? Pretty, pretty terrible. Ooh. <laughs> I think, yeah, right. We were in Apollonia. We were kind of making the joke, you know, like, which, which way is it going to go? Uh, I think we're doing better than we were maybe 10, 15 years ago. I think we're making progress, but there's still progress to be made. We're starting to understand that we're in this together and we need to work together. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be talking about till we get it down. It's, I'm not here to talk so that you can enjoy me talking. I'm here to talk so we can make progress in our service to Christ. And so that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to keep talking until we get it. So hallelujah for that. Uh, all right. A little bit about me. The first 10 years, I got saved when I was 19 from a non-Christian home. Uh, the second best upbringing you can get as far as it was just void of religious information. I didn't have to unlearn anything. That was really neat. It's much better to be in a Christian home where you're taught the right things. But I was just taught nothing. So I didn't know anything. And that was you know, kind of a blessing in disguise to a certain extent. I didn't have to unlearn anything. And I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. So the first 10 years of my Christian walk from 19 to 29, I decided, well, I'm only going to read the Bible and listen to the Bible on tape. I went to church and stuff like that, but I didn't read any Christian books. I didn't read any commentaries. I didn't read anybody's perspective on what the Bible had to say. I read the Bible and listened to the Bible because I thought, I want to find out what it says first. And then I'll see what other people have to say, but I don't want to color my vision since I have this wonderful opportunity to read the scriptures for the first time and have never heard them before. What a blessing that was. And so I did that. And it was interesting to me that there were some differences (laughs) between what the Bible had to say and what normal Christian practice was. There were some differences. Now don't get real scared because, you know, Here I am, Assembly of God pastor. I'm in conformity with all the wonderful doctrines and that sort of thing. So don't get scared. Uh, I actually chose to be here. You know what I mean? I didn't grow up in this and have to fight the battle of, do I actually believe this for me or not? I I had the whole thing in front of me. I got to pick. I'll be that. I think this is about as close as you're going to get. So I'm here because I got to align myself with who I felt I should align myself with. No pressure. It was great. You know? 
scared my wife through the process of trying to figure it out, but uh, it, it was a tremendous, tremendous thing. There are things in the Scriptures that are different from Christian practice. Um, one of those things that I found unfortunate um, was that in Christian culture, there is kind of a self-righteous justification for division among believers. Well, they're the hymn people. And we're the contemporary worship people. They're the old school, you know, they don't really get it. But we do. Oh, they're the ones who have liturgy. They dress fancy. We're the gene people. A self-righteous justification for division among the believers. Is the style of clothing that you wear to church sufficient to create division among the believers in Christ? It should not be. It should not be. Amen? Amen. We need to battle this because it is strong. It is very, very strong. And it is very, very strong in Scripture that we are to stand together. Oh, I got such mean notes. You know, I'm... I'm a nice guy. You guys, you, you know me. I'm friendly. I like people. But I'm writing the notes down. They come out hard. Yeah, that's true. I try to be honest. Uh, you know, man, it's embarrassing to God. And it's a destructive force to His kingdom when we are divided. It's a bad, bad deal. Let's rise above that. Did you know Jesus prayed for us specifically? He prayed for us, the ones who would believe the message that the apostles brought. He prayed for us, the ones who would believe in the future. And it's recorded in the Gospel of John chapter 17, just prior to Jesus being arrested and taken away. He's praying and he prays for us. Isn't that amazing? Not for them. He, he did that earlier in the chapter. He prayed for the ones that were there. And then he takes some time to pray for those in the future who will believe. What does he pray for them? Let's look at that. The Gospel of John chapter 17, starting in verse 20, says this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. How unified does he expect us to be? Just like the father and son, <laughs> we are to be unified like that. Isn't that amazing? It also says complete unity. Completely 
unified. I believe that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What about the prayers of Jesus? He saw incredible miracles. Jesus prayed and people were healed. Jesus spoke and the wind and the waves died down. Jesus had power in his words. And he prayed out loud and it's recorded in scripture that we would stand unified. And I don't mean just us at Good Hope Church. I mean all of the believers, all of the followers of Christ. Those who wave incense, those who wear jeans, all of them. Amen? All of them. He prayed that we would be unified. And I believe His prayers can be answered. Complete unity. Do you think that's possible? I mean, like actually. I mean, let, Sunday morning preaching, that's one thing. Come on, we can do it. Hallelujah. Let's have faith and believe God. And we all get excited. And then we walk out into the real world. And it's a little different. Have you noticed that? Is it actually possible for the believers in Christ to stand unified, completely unified, like how Jesus prayed, like the Father and Son together in the same boat, working together for God's purposes? Is that possible? He wouldn't have prayed it if it wasn't possible. He's not unreasonable. Our God is not unreasonable. To make that point, I'll ask this question. Can you ever really pray enough? Yes, you can. Can you ever really read your Bible enough? Absolutely. Can you ever really give enough? Sure. He's not unreasonable. You guys have been taught wrong. (laughs) The reason why we... People say you can never ever really read your Bible enough is so that you stay feeling guilty. So that there's still control over you. Well, guess what? You can actually read your Bible enough. God is not unreasonable. He doesn't expect 50 hours of Bible reading every day. It's impossible. Our God is very... Now, most of you don't read your Bible enough. Most of you don't pray enough. You very well may not be giving enough, you know, and the Lord will deal with you on that. Come on, it'll, it'll work out, but you can. There's a place of peace in Christ where we know we're doing what He's called us to do. Bible says six days for work, one day for the Lord. Not nine days for the Lord. We can do that. It's not beyond our reach, the scripture says, so that we have to go up to heaven. It's not beyond our reach. We can do it. We can pray enough. We can read enough. We can love each other enough. We can do that. We can have unity. It can be. But we have to give ourselves to Christ. We have to be willing to say, I'll do it your way. Because division comes from pride. And when we give up who we are, we can get a hold of what God has for us. What is the catalyst for this unity? Verse 22, let's look at that again. 
Verse 22 that we already read. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Jesus gives us the glory that God the Father gave to him so that we can be one like them. I'm still wrapping my mind around that. You know what I mean? What in the world? What are all the details theologically with that verse? That's an interesting verse, isn't it? So I looked up glory, because that's been one I've never really gotten a firm grasp on. What is this glory? I mean, is this a glowingness? Or, you know, is it just like super awesomeness? Or what, what is glory? I looked it up. I got a little bit more of an idea. But I mean, it's just like the, the perfection of God. The, the thing God has that makes Him praiseworthy. It's His glory. The thing that makes Him worshipable is God's glory. God the Father gave that to Jesus. Jesus gives that to us so that we can stand together. We receive it from Him. We'll kind of flesh this out a little bit as the weeks go on. But is it clear that we need God's power to be unified? This isn't a grit your teeth and make it happen situation. You know, if, if I love you because I have to, is that the type of love you really want? No, that's I don't know what that is. There's choices involved with love, but there's feelings involved too. There's a heart, a heart thing there. I don't want you just choosing to love me, but if you didn't have to, you wouldn't. I want you to actually care. That's a piece of the glory of God. That He loves us. What a wonderful song that we sang. Oh, how He loves us. Isn't that mind-boggling? That's part of His glory. He loves us. The glory of God. It's the thing that we have all sinned and fallen short of. Romans 3.23 We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you can see where the problem is. (laughs) This glory is the thing that binds us together, but it's the thing we've all fallen short of. We need to get there better. We need to live in that better. That's a little bit tricky. Did you know every sermon has a good, happy thing in it? It's true. It's right here. I can see it. Think of the potential, though, if we actually succeeded. I, anytime God gives a command or prays a prayer like this, I take it as permission to believe for it. I, I take uh, John 17 as permission to believe for the unity of the believers. Permission to believe for that. That's what God's will is. That's what Jesus wants. So we can believe for it. He wants that. We're supposed to pray for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's pray for it. Let's believe for it. Let's do our part to get it. Imagine if the body of Christ actually came together. If the separated dry bones that are hundreds of miles apart came together and we stood unified. Imagine what would happen. 
If instead of serving our particular denominations, our particular groups and styles, if we actually served God and did it together, what would happen? Wouldn't that be something? I mean, seriously, it gets me excited. I believe that's possible. I believe that's possible. One more thought before we zip on to the next thing. Jesus prayed this prayer to the Father. Make them one as we are one. Who grants this prayer? The fa- but the Father grants it, but we're involved in this. Do you know what the difference is between people and the wind and the waves that Jesus said be still to? The wind and the waves had to obey. We don't. The wind and the waves did what Jesus said. People don't always do that. We have the capacity to override what God has told us to do and do something else. Who grants this prayer? We've got a part to play. We don't want to make too much of ourselves, of course. But we've got a part to play. If I'm going to get offended and not like so-and-so and their way of doing things and let that build in me, well, guess what? That prayer is going to go unanswered. If I'm mad because they don't like my style of music and they think I'm a, a what, whatever because of it, and so I let there be division, I am playing into stopping the prayer of the Lord from being answered. I've got a part to play. We all have a part to play. Are there opportunities to be offended by other groups and say, oh, I don't like them for this reason, and then to bring in division? It's almost like an industry. I'm a church planter. Or a founding pastor, I should say. It's the difference between the two of those. The apostolic versus the perpetual founding pastor uh you know in the church planting industry you've got to figure out how can you be different than everybody else and get them to come to your church right so you got to say wow don't go there come here the tendency is there Certainly, this whole advent of professional Christians, like professional musicians or professional athletes, this whole thing of, well, you know, I get paid when people come to church, motivates people to get people to come to their church. And it can push people away from the kingdom of God. But we're not like that. Amen? So much so, we're going to preach against it. (laughs) We're going to make sure that we get this. We're going to make sure that we are believing for what Jesus prayed for, for the unity of those who follow Him. As we do this, we're going to work through the book of 1 Corinthians. deals with this topic of unity tremendously. Um, it's going to be great. Looking forward to the next several weeks. Because uh, we're, going to, we're, going to, we're going to get this. Because look at what could happen. Amen? And the, the foundation has been laid. I feel like we're ready to go.
I feel like we're ready to go. Have you ever felt like the Bible isn't very clear? Sometimes it's pretty clear, though. We're going to read some stuff where it's actually quite clear. (laughs) But let me tell you something about the clarity of the Bible. If you don't do the things that are clear, you don't get to understand the things that aren't. You've got to do the stuff you understand first. You've got to live out the stuff you know to do, or you've got no right to believe for further clarity. Amen? Let's see what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Is Christ divided? Well, we're sure trying. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. I follow Luther. I follow Francis. I follow Wesley. I follow Calvin. I mean, can it be more clear? These are the divisions that come in that we have to resist. Now, I'm all for doing theology and that sort of thing, but let's get love your brother down first. Let's do that. And then let's move on to these more complicated things. (laughs) Amen? Doctrine in the Scripture was how you live. That's what the word meant. It's, it's what you do with your life. That's your doctrine. Watch your doctrine closely. Watch how you behave, what you do, how you live. We're getting ready to take communion here in a little bit. The guys are getting set up for that. I'm not offending them and they're leaving. It's, they're getting ready for communion. <laughs> Is Christ divided? My grumpy notes say yes, and it's our fault. Because he's not divided, but we are divided. That's not okay. It's not okay. We need to stand together. We need to be on the same team. Because we're believers. I've got brothers and sisters all over this world. Where does that tie come from? Where does that bond come from? I got three bad answers. And then we're going to find another one. I'm saying the body of Christ, the believers need to be unified. We need to stand together. Why? Number one, should we stand together because of exact theological agreement? Should that be the basis? Whereas if 99.9% of the things we believe about God are the same, but that 0.1% 
oh, riles me up, so we're going to start a different church. (laughs) Well, that's happened over and over again. So it's not going to be exact theological agreement. I would venture to guess there aren't two people in here that have exact theological agreement. I would venture to guess there aren't two. Just sit and talk for a while. (laughs) How about stylistic conformity? We laugh here. Do you have to laugh no matter what? Or can a, can a reverent, somber service be of value to God? That's perfectly, that's fine. We enjoy laughing. The, this type of church is good at helping you know that God loves you and He's your friend. Other churches are really good at the majesty and the awe of God. Those are both important. Very important. Style isn't going to unite us. Ooh, how, boy, I'm running out of time. How about uh, equivalence in the level of righteousness versus sinfulness? You know, like we're all like sinning about the same. And we've all conquered about the same stuff. You know what I mean? Have you ever noticed how once you conquer a certain area in your life, the people who are still dealing with that are just like, oh, you, that's terrible that you're doing that. But three months ago, you were in the middle of it. Have you ever noticed that? And of course, I don't want to get too harsh here, but um, we're just not going to be the same where we're at in righteousness, sinfulness, and our sanctification. We're not going to be in the same place. We need to be able to be unified beyond that. If somebody's in the middle of struggling with something very basic, but they love Jesus, they need to be in the group and being helped. Amen? Not like pushed out. It needs to be acknowledged. It shouldn't be hidden. It's not necessarily everybody's business. You know the difference between uh, something being a secret that's hidden versus something that's just not your business. You know, some stuff just isn't your business. It's not a secret. It's not hidden. Different people are dealing with it, but it's not something that's shared with everybody. It's just not everybody's business. But we're not... We're not going to be unified based on being in that same spot in our spiritual development. It's just not going to happen. What will unify us? I'll simplify it. We're going to talk about the glory of God as time goes on. But I'll simplify it by we stand unified in the love of God. He loves us, meaning He loves me, and He loves you. People who have said to me, you know, I'm I'm this type of person, I've got these problems, do you love me, or can, can you have a relationship with me? I say, well, Jesus loves you, and who am I to differ with Him? Where you're at, Jesus loves you. Who am I to oppose Christ? I can love you too. Not based on liking the same music styles. Not based on exact theological agreement. Not based on being in the same place in our spiritual development. But because He loves me, He loves you, we can stand together. That is enough. The guys are going to come and and, uh, 
hand out the uh, elements for communion. Let's stay in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to flip to chapter 10, kind of jumping ahead here, but it deals with communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Thank you very much. Verses 15 through 17 say this. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. It was amazing to me to travel thousands of miles hang out with people I'd never met who can't speak English and to know we've tasted the same things. We've connected with the same God. We're brothers and sisters. One loaf, one body. Even communion has within it the expectation of unity among believers. We are many. Many cultures, many perspectives, many different types of lives, many experiences, many trials. We are many. But there's one God. And He's in our hearts when we open our heart to Him. And that brings us together. So as they're finishing passing out the elements, if you've already got uh, the body and the blood, just take a moment and reflect on what Jesus did for you as an individual. But He did that for you as an individual so you could be part of something bigger. You could be part of His body. One little piece for you. But that piece is part of the whole. Hallelujah. Let's pray and receive together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your grace and mercy. We thank You for Your glory. And that somehow that is shared with us. Help us to understand that and receive that so that we can stand unified before You. But I know, Lord, that we are to love one another because You love us. You love us where we're at and You lift us up. Help us to love one another because that's what You sacrificed for. We give You praise and we honor You, Lord. Help us to remember the price that was paid. Not so that we stay in our sin, but that we are set free from our sin. Not that we stay in condemnation, but that we are set free from condemnation. Not that we stay in our old thinking, but that our mind is renewed and we understand like you understand and that we receive the mind of Christ. We thank you for what you've done. Let's partake together. This is the body of Christ which was broken for you.
thank you, Lord. And the blood of Christ, which was shed for you. Thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. Thank you for loving us. Help us to share that with each other. Help us to know that you do love me as an individual and you love each other one. So let us share that and let that bring us together. We give you praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.